0: I'm going to welcome up Jürgen. Jürgen's going to continue in the book of Genesis. We're looking at the life of Abraham together at the moment. So we're going to open our Bibles to Genesis 15. And our dear friend Jürgen is going to come and share God's word with us today. Can I borrow your Bible? Of course you can borrow my Bible. (laughs) Is anyone still carrying a Bible? Yeah, come on, real Bibles. (laughs) Can you grab it? In the meantime, I'm Jürgen, I'm uh, part of this church. Your microphone. And, uh, <laughs> can you not hear me? Can you hear me now? Right. Oh, that's much better. All right, so my name is Jürgen, I'm part of this church. I used to be a uh, Bible explainer a long time ago, and occasionally I do it here. So if you've got your Bible and you're not ashamed of it, would you show it to me? All right, and now I dare you to repeat after me. This is the Bible. I'm not ashamed of it. It contains words that give me wisdom to live a godly life. Thank you, Ollie. This is a very cool Bible. Somehow it looks familiar. So, uh, yeah, we're in a series about faith, and we were looking at the life of Abraham to uh, learn something about our faith, the faith we're in. And uh, today I think we arrived in uh, chapter 15, and it's all about covenant. So, if you got your Bible, I will open mine digitally because the one I like isn't available in print. Uh, I think it will also come up, chapter 15 of Genesis. Uh, We shall read it. After these things, the word of Yahweh came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I'm I'm your shield and your reward shall be very great. Then Abram said, oh Yahweh, my Lord, what will you give me? I continue to be childless, And my heir is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, look, you have not given me a descendant, and here a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of Yahweh came to him saying, this person will not be your heir, but your own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he, that is Abram, believed in Yahweh and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am Yahweh who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans uh, to give you this land and to possess it. And he said, oh Yahweh God, how shall I know that I will possess it? And he said to him, just give me a sec, all right. And he said to him, take for me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took for him all these and cut them in pieces. And he put each piece opposite the other, and the birds uh, of prey did, what was that? But the birds of prey, the birds he did not cut. And the birds of prey came down on the carcass, but Abram drove them away. And it happened as the sun went down and the deep sleep Fell upon Abram, and behold, a great terrifying darkness fell upon him. And he said to Abram, You must surely know that your descendants shall be aliens in a land not their own, and they shall serve them, and they shall oppress, oppress them four hundred years. And also the nation that they serve I will judge. Then afterwards they shall go out with great possessions, and as far As for you, you shall go to your ancestors in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and the fourth generation shall return here, for the guilt of the Amorites is not yet complete. And after the sun had gone down, and it was dusk, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between those half-pieces. On that day... Yahweh made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. So that's chapter 15. Would have been nice, but I didn't organize myself. Um, Would have been nice if someone with English as first language would have read that. You still with me? Yeah, so chapter 15. This is basically a time when God decided to make a covenant with Abram. Um, I intentionally call him Abram, not Abraham. And if you read closely, you would see that it wasn't Abraham, it was Abram. But let's just pull back a little bit and look at the story. So, in the beginning, when God ordered chaos, he created a livable space for many, many things. First of all, he created the skies above the spiritual realm and he filled it with his representatives, the images of God in the unseen realm, in the spiritual realm, the heavens, if you know, all the heavenly hosts. And they were there to govern with God all the stuff that's not material and not visible. And then he created earth and everything that's in it. And then he had his images on earth to his family, as it were, to do the family business together with him in the material world, in the world that's visible here on planet Earth. And we know things got pear-shaped and as well as on Earth, also in heaven, there were rebellions. Those beings and the humans decided, nah, we know better. They chose independence because they were created to have choice. And out of that came a big mess. And all the way until the flood, it just got worse and worse and worse. And God just pushed the reset button. And after he pushed the reset button, there was one family that was chosen of all humanity. And again, it started over. The project grew and grew and it, 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 it fell apart Very quickly. And after the Tower of Babel, um, we still have Genesis 6, which is a main part of the falling of the divine beings. But after the Tower of Babel, basically God said, This is it. I I can't do with these humans. They don't want to. The story focuses on humans and on God's dealing with the humans here on planet Earth. So what happened is God said, Now, I'm not gonna, I promised, and he's a promise keeper, I'm not gonna send another flood but I will pick one, I will pick one guy and that's this guy, Abram. And I will start, I will, I will make a new start. There's gonna be a new Adam and a new generation following and Abram is a new Adam and his descendants should have been one that are governing with God and representing him on this planet. So, so far so good and uh, God called Abram and it took a while until he left but eventually he moved all the stuff he had because he had a lot and moved to a place He didn't know. He didn't know where he was going. And it's sad because if you don't know where you're going, you don't know when you arrive. And that was the whole point. He had to trust God in every single step. And he went on and he, you know, you had all the other things that we heard in the last weeks, God dealing with him. But here he said, you know what? Yahweh said to him, you know what? Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Okay, We, we set the terms of the deal and then we agree because... You know, I've been looking at you and you've come a long way. You've been a pagan worshiper of all kinds of things up in the sky and down on earth. And I asked you to follow me and you said yes. So that was actually good. You've come a long way. And now here you are and I want to make you great. There is something in you which you don't know yet, but it is there, and I will bring that out. There is a kind of loyalty in you and a kind of trustworthiness almost, and I will build on that. And this is the covenant. Now, we have to talk about covenant because very rarely do I hear that word used today. What is a covenant? It's a deal. It's a contract. It's a pact. And you might think, oh, we don't do covenants these days. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I would assume that quite a few of you own a house or are on the way to own your house. Well, when you started, you probably went to some money lenders, could be a bank or some other ways, and, and, you know, you signed papers. Now, that's a deal, and it's binding. To me, it's mind-blowing. You use some ink to put it on some other stuff, and that is binding? yeah your signature well it went all digital now you can use your thumb or just do a digital signature but the thing is it is binding so we we know what contracts are now during the time of your mortgage did you ever think of being sloppy with your money no why not because all falls apart doesn't it you, you can't. You have to restrict yourself. You have to budget really carefully to be able to eventually pay back everything and own that house. But that was the deal, wasn't it? Look, I lend you this money and you promise you give it back to me monthly. Yeah, That's how it works. Now Yahweh comes to Abram and says, look, we're going to make this deal. And the deal is about not what you do, but about what I do. And the deal is, I will make you great. And if you're a careful Bible reader, you would think, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. I've read this before. Great? Name? Place? Nah. The Tower of Babel. Is that not what we humans wanted to do? To make ourselves a great name, to go up to the skies, to be in a relationship with that guy up there. And Yahweh didn't like it. And hence we have the Tower of Babel and what happened afterward, a great dispersion of all the nations. But then you read on and you say, Abram was a bit like, oh, so you're giving me descendants. That's going to be interesting because I don't have any descendants. I don't have a son either. And you're going to give me a land? This is not my land. I'm living here as a foreigner. I'm living in tents. I used to come from a city and I moved into tents. Just think about it, yeah? So I changed my life quite a lot following you. So what are you going to give me? This guy here, very loyal servant I have, he's going to take everything I have. I like him. He's been a man of a word. Whenever I had something to do, he would go and do it. We know from the story later, he would go and look for a, um, what is it, a wife for Isaac, his son. So he was a good guy. And Yahweh says, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. The contract is between me and you and your direct descendants. And it's about descendants, it's about multiplication, and it's about the land. So Abraham goes back and says, okay, how are you going to do this? How is it going to happen? And Yahweh said, okay, we do it the way you humans do it. And now if you know a little bit and you can read it up, there was a tradition in the ancient Near East, how do you, how how you actually make a contract. You took animals, it was always, eating was always involved. And some animal had to die or more animals had to die. Very specifically, if they made vows or promises, they would include curses. And we know that also in in like, um, what is it, Deuteronomy 28, when Yahweh made the, the the other covenant with the nation there were blessings and curses and basically you would split the animals in half and you would have this half of an animal and that half of an animal and the two partners of the covenant would walk through it and they would say so it should happen to me if I don't keep my part of the deal I should be split in two and die a terrible death now that that's how serious the covenant was and Yahweh with Abram says oh you want proof you want kind of like a sign that I'm serious yeah let's do this get me some animals you kind of cut them up you know and then you would expect them both to walk through it guess what happens we read the story what happens it's evening and Abram fell asleep and you as a bible student say oh wait a moment I've seen this before I've seen this before, when God was do- going to do something magnificent, some extraordinary and some prime that he never done before, usually someone falls asleep. And you remember Adam in the garden, right? And he was alone, and God says, okay, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to do something I've never done before. And Adam fell asleep, and God created the woman. The woman is a miracle, really. It shouldn't have happened, but it did. And now we're so grateful aren't we aren't we yeah now it should have happened come on but now you see abram sleeping and you as a bible student instantly open your eyes and said i have to be careful how i read this because this is an exceptional extraordinary moment so what happened abram slept and this firepot and flame which in the old scripture is used as a symbol for god's personal presence went through the animals. And you think, there was supposed to be two. Why is only Yahweh walking through the animals? Well, little clue. Maybe, just maybe, Abram wasn't able to keep his part of the deal. And then he would have had to die. And Yahweh decided that's not gonna happen. He's a new starter of my new family. So I gonna walk through alone. Because I will keep my promise. And so this deal is going to be eternal because I will keep my promise eternally. Do you get it? Still with me? That's how that covenant worked. Now, that's a bit... Covenants are important and we sang it today and we know it and we read about it. And if you don't, read a bit more because you need to know this. God keeps his promises. He is loyal, as loyal as it can get. But then you get chapter 16, which we won't read. And Abram's wife becomes a little bit impatient, he said, look, this whole kingdom thing, this whole nations, this whole place thing doesn't really work, does it? And it wasn't so unusual what she did, he said, look, this is this female slave I have, have her as a wife, that, that's basically, she's been elevated almost to her own level, and then Abram, you know, you do what you have to do, and then you will have a son, and he will be your heir, your heir. he will have everything, and God's promise is going to be fulfilled. We know how that went, didn't go well. God loved, Yahweh loved Ishmael and all his descendants, and there are great promises for all the descendants of Ishmael. Also, he loved Isaac later. But the chosen one was Isaac, okay, the one that had to come. But this chapter in between, you think, why, why, why is this there? What does it show us? Well, it showed us that Yahweh was right. Yahweh was vindicated in his decision to walk alone through those half animals. Abram couldn't keep his deal. God said, I will supernaturally birth a nation. And Abram, like a little child, very keen, said, Oh, i going to help. I'm going to help, Grandpa. Come on, here's a hammer. Smash. Ow! That's not how you help. That shouldn't have happened. But it did. And Yahweh was right. And after that we get chapter 17, which we won't read because we don't have enough time. But in chapter 17, God comes back and said, look, you know the deal that we have? The one you messed up? Okay, let's do it again. But this time, we will state clearly what your responsibilities are. And he said, I will make you great, you will have a son, you will grow into a very big family, kings will come, and they will live in this land. That's the second part of the covenant. And he said, but you've got to do something. It's circumcision, you know, people around you do it, it's a known ritual, and we'll just use that as a sign. And you and every male after you and every male in your household will be circumcised. And you start wondering, well, why was that necessary? I think Yahweh is quite full of humor. And he said, so Abram, you think you're good. You think with your little tool there, you can make my promises happen. Well, I won't take it away, but just a little bit, you know. You get the point point. and he says this is gonna be the sign of the covenant now there's something you have to do and whoever is not doing it in part of your descendants shall be cut off from the from my people that doesn't mean killed but he cannot be part of the covenant people and that's gonna be forever from now on so whoever has to be circumcised please go and thank Abram for his mistake now, But the, the covenant carries on. And now I, I would kind of try and help us look, why is that important? Why is it in the story of the Bible? Why is Jesus coming from this particular family? Jesus, who is God embodied and who saved us and who will save us to the final end because he is loyal. Why is this story so important there? Why is covenant important? If you go back to the first first part of the covenant, you will see that Abram was called Abram. That was his name. A great father. Ha ha. When you're almost a hundred and you have no kids whatsoever, you have a very beautiful wife, but she's useless when it comes to kids. And everyone calls you, oh, hi, great father. Good to see you. How do you feel? How would you feel if I called you, Hi, great father, and I know you, have, you don't have any kids. You're rich, you've got all the stuff, but you do not have descendants. And what's all this promise you're talking about? What? Yahweh made your promise? What promise? Well, you know, nations and kings and this land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in the second part, in chapter 17, you will see that God changes Abram's name into Abraham which is a father of multitudes. Now that's a change. And if you're a Bible student, you stop again and think, well, I read my Bible. There's several other times when names have been changed. One of the direct descendants of Abram or Abraham, which is Jacob, had his name changed. And you go on and there's some, some weird name changes like Daniel, when he went into exile, his name was changed. Name changes are so important. People believed in their names. And we today sing, but we have no clue what we're singing. We sing, oh, in the name of Jesus. Have you ever thought what that means? Have you ever thought what that means? that's around a rabbit hole for another time but then his name has been changed and every single day his wife wouldn't call him darling anymore wouldn't call him abram anymore would call him abraham father of multitudes now if you hear that long enough maybe you start believing it maybe you start believing it and i would i would kind of like feel we should we should close it here and come to some conclusions has your name been changed Think about it. Probably not really, but metaphorically. If you entered into this covenant with God, if you pledged your allegiance to Yeshua, the Messiah, the King, the Promised One, then you become part of another family. And as you would when you're adopted, you take on the name of the head of the family. Now, who is this second Adam? Who is this new Abraham? Who is this new guy who started a new generation, a new race, if you want? Well, it's Jesus. And who is he? He's the Christ. And guess what? Other people in the ancient Near East looked at the first disciples of Jesus and said, they look so much like Christ. Oh, hello, Christ. How are you doing today? And we see that our name has been changed. We call ourselves Christians today. But do you know what that means? That means you're an imager of Christ. You try to live your life just like he did. And just like he tried to live the life that he saw in his father, because Jesus said, Look, I'm I'm not doing anything new. I only do what my father already did, and it keeps doing, and so should you. So basically today. If you follow Jesus, you're an imager of God and you bear his name and you have to be careful how to do it. Now, that's why I said the thing about the Bible. There's wisdom in that book. How do we live this life? How can I live a life of covenant? Now, in modern Christianity, we don't talk a lot about covenant, but that has to be fixed. And we start today, okay? Deal? Deal, you said it. Now we're bound. (laughs) No, seriously. We have to talk about covenants. Because if Christianity is an option, or if you think you do God a favor, or your friend, you're doing your friend a favor because he invited you to church, forget about that. It's about you relating to God directly without any kind of priestly intermediate. But that comes with a deal. God promises to be your Savior and God forever. And he will keep you forever. But there's a little bit that you have to do. No, it's not circumcision. It is following the terms of the covenant. And you go, no, there are no terms of the covenant. Yes, they are. There is a new Moses in the countryside out on a mountain in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he says what his kingdom is going to be like. We call it the Beatitudes or whatever the Sermon on the Mount or whatever it's called um, in, in your translation of the Bible, and there are the terms of the covenant. You cannot follow Jesus without keeping your part of the terms of the covenant. What was credited to Abram as his righteousness or as his vindication? He believed Yahweh. And if you read a bit closer, I think it's in chapter 17, you will find Yahweh says, I knew that he will pass all these commandments and all this way of life on to the next generation. And that's what we need. We need people in God's family who are able to pass on the way of life of Jesus to the next generation. That's why discipleship is so crucial, so crucial. So you're part of this covenant. I would go on and say, and we can't do this today, but Colossians is a letter to a church in Colossae, a, a, a pagan originated church and Paul writes to them and he clarifies and basically the conclusion for today that's all I want to say we shouldn't say anything about Christian baptism that we cannot say about circumcision and we shouldn't say anything about circumcision that we cannot say about Christian baptism it is a sign in a way a sign of a covenant It's not the reality, but it's like the signature. The signature is not your house. The signature is just a way of settling a deal. Your signature on a paper, on a contract, means we're bound now. This promise is being made. And the same is for marriage. You know, you wear that. That's a a promise. You know why I wear it? It's very inconvenient when I'm in my job. But I wear it even in my job, and even if it scratches. This is a promise I made, and I will keep it forever. Now, when I was baptized, it was in a little village in, in, in backcountry Romania, because that was the situation then, and in a, just a little tub. But they asked me, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he forgave your sins? And I said, yes, and yes. And there was this standard question, which I really honestly miss these days. They asked me, how long will you promise to follow Jesus? And there was a standard answer, which I didn't think a lot about because I just wanted to get baptized. But the more I get on in life, I think that was such a good promise. The answer was, until I die. Now that's a promise. And I would just put it out to you. Think about your Christianity as a promise that you will follow Jesus until the day you die. Giving up is not an option. It's not And if you became a Christian based on other promises, I'm sorry for you, but you need to hear this. God will give you everything that he promised and you will keep everything that you promised to him. That's how it works. And the Bible is full of stuff saying whoever lasts until the end, he will reap life. He will reap life. You have to last until the end. So today, please take this as an encouragement. Whatever happens Do not give up on your promise to follow Jesus. If you're listening online, that's for you too. Now that's a covenant, and that's how we should treat it. And as a church, we have a covenant between us. Just think about it. Sorry, think about it. Read Acts and see why did they share all the stuff they had. It was a family covenant. We are family. No one is lacking, and no one has excess. It's tricky to work it out. Yeah, it's a bit of effort. All that grace falls apart. Oh, no, it doesn't. Grace is still there. The grace for you to share, that's a grace. You can't do it if you're not a Christian because we're selfish by nature. But once your life has been transformed, once your name has been changed, once you're part of this new family, we can do all that thing. We can plant our churches, if necessary, sell this building and make plenty more everywhere. Who knows? What if World War III starts? What are you going to do with this building? Nothing. Nothing. But the people will live on and the promise will live on and people are still going to be saved. Amen? Come on, come on. Be a bit lively. We're the covenant people. And we should sing about it more often and we should talk about it more often. Now, what does that mean? I hope I convinced you so far that covenants are important. What does it mean? Well, it means if you're married, you stay married. Is that always possible? No. No, and it's heartbreaking, and it's, you know, just painful. But it should be. You keep your promise. I think when people get married, if, if, if it was my choice, I would make them write their own vows, just because you have to think about it. And today you listen to the so-called promises or vows. When, when people get married, they're like, "Oh, we, I love you like the sun and like the stars and you're my moon and you're my sunshine." and what? It's just about now. What about the future? There's some old-school promises that sound a bit better in health, but also in sickness, in riches, but also when we're not rich. and in a sunny day and on a stormy day, we'll stick together. That's how it should be. It, it kind of makes more sense. Because I want to point out something. In that sleep, Abram had a vision in chapter 15. And Yahweh speaks to him. And there's one promise no one wants to get. Do you remember what it was? Your descendants, they are not here yet, but when they come, they're going to be many. And they're going to be slaves. (laughs) And we sing, all of God's promises are yes and amen. Amen well indeed but did you think of that promise particularly did you think about jesus when he said yeah you know you're welcome to enter the kingdom but there's a lot of suffering if you want to enter it we don't talk about that promise but that's a promise do you know that he will keep it so you rather buckle up and make sure you keep your part of the deal because he say he will save you out of the dragon's den if it's necessary it was a lion's den i had to do this He will save you out of that. Look at Daniel. Look at Peter. I just read um, yesterday morning, you know, when Peter went out of prison, just angels come. If it's necessary, angels will come. Take your chains off. You will walk out back into the lions then and you will preach the gospel again. That's what he does. But you have to do your part. Please do not be afraid of suffering. Do not be afraid of the things that are inconvenient because every faith has to be tested. I I will draw... To a close quickly but I would say this your faith is and will be tested and when you come out of it not alone not alone with Jesus walking with you through it you will come out more powerful if it doesn't kill you it makes you stronger the good news is it can't kill you so it has to make you stronger and in the end you will stand and in the end God will get the glory, because what he thought about you, that you can make it in Christ Jesus, was vindicated. Yes, you made it. And then again, in the end, you will get a new name. Remember? Revelation. So how do you keep promises these days? Well, if you've got a mortgage, make sure you pay. Forget about your holidays if you can't afford them. Downsize your car or whatever it is. Just keep your promise. If you said you're going to be here 10 o'clock on a Sunday... That's a, that's a social contract we have, isn't it? When, when does King start on a Sunday, the meeting? Well, 10 o'clock, everyone would say 10 o'clock. It never starts 10 o'clock. Or does it? Maybe it does, but not when I'm here. So how about, how about we become serious? But that's a social contract. I mean, we have to leave our houses and move and traffic and everything. We, yeah. You see, I, I want to make it really, really practical. Because it's in this nitty-gritty, tiny... Things where we show our loyalty and faithfulness. Stay loyal. Do you have friends? Did they upset you? Make sure you go back and and try and sort it out. It's not always possible, but try to, because friendship is one of the most beautiful covenants, which are, they shouldn't be binding, but yet they are. Look look at David and Jonathan. I know you're going to be king, but just make sure, promise me, you will treat my descendants well. And David said, yeah. Yeah. If that ever happens, then I'm going to be king. It will happen, okay? I think the band can come up. And I I would like to take us to a place where we think about how do we keep promises? How do we keep our covenant? I want to invite you alongside me to just look at ourselves. Maybe it's a bit introspective, but think about yourself. Are you really, really wanting to follow Jesus until the day and minute you die. Because if Jesus doesn't come back quickly, you will die. But I'd rather die well. I'd rather go in peace to my ancestors, as Yahweh said to Abram. Think about your new name. Think about what that means when you're in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family. Think about how you keep your promises to your kids. Don't be cheap promising them stuff you can't keep. If you made a promise that's to your disadvantage, keep it and God will honor you. The Bible speaks about that clearly. We don't have time to go into all this. I would like to encourage you to come on on this journey I'm on to shape my life after what I read in the Bible, to keep my promises, to be loyal if I can. Do you understand with me? I think you can pray on your own. I will, I will still, I feel like I should pray, say something. That's how we finish things. We respond to God. Father God, Yahweh, Creator, you who came in Jesus to rescue us, you who have kept all the promises so far, you will keep them all to the end. You who came yourself to start a new race because there was never a plan b just plan a to have humans ruling alongside you on this beautiful pale blue dot in the universe today we stand here most of us as your family father and we want to reiterate our faith in you You are loyal. You have always been vindicated in your promises because you kept them. And even if we fail, you don't. Today, we stand here as a family, as a covenant family. And we revise our attitude towards the covenant. And we revise our attitude towards promises we make generally. And we say, Father, please give us grace. Sometimes it requires dying to keep a promise. Sometimes it's a great disadvantage. But you went through the cross, Jesus, just to show us what it, what it means to have covenant, loyal love. We have this beautiful beautiful scripture in Romans 5 that says this love, your love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given everything that's needed to keep our promise to you is there so please let us see it and let us use it every single day let us stick together to the mission you called us to let us stick together to praying and helping each other praying for and helping each other Let us stick together to revisit your word all the time because that's where life comes from. This wisdom, how to live this life. We submit ourselves to you, great God. We're all yours and you're all ours. You are God and we are your people. Amen.